Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now to God's Word for today, we listen in to an introduction and message first introduced years ago. In Psalm 51, it is not just David's adultery with Bathsheba that makes him cry out for mercy. That one sin opened a window in which David saw in his life many sins. And when David called upon the multitude of God's tender mercies, he was saying, God, unleash all that you are to forgive me of all that I am. That, folks, is the true prayer of confession that God will always answer. David is basically saying the fault to all this ultimately lies in me and my corrupt nature and who I am. So forth, he sees his sin, he sees many sins, he sees sins against an eternal God of holy love, and he sees that that sin rises out of his own heart. Where did that come from? And he sees it came from me and who I am. So instead of just seeing an act of coveting, an act of lust, he sees a coveting and lustful heart. Instead of seeing an act of adultery, he sees an adulterous nature. Instead of seeing one murder only, he sees a murderous and lying heart. Not only a sin, not even a big sin, not even a group of big sins, not just many sins, but a nature that is a fountain of sin. He sees himself. And so everywhere that David looks, when he looks without, when he looks at his hand, when he looks at his feet, when he looks at his heart, he sees sin, sin, and more sin. And there is no hope, now he realizes, in any religious act, in any edict, in any judgments he makes from here on out, there's no hope in any attempt to do better, any attempt to be good. There's no hope in thinking the right thoughts and discovering the right truths. The only thing that will take away his wrong and erase them from his life is everything that God is. And so we're right back to where we began, right? We're right back to where he began an expression of hope. God, have mercy on me. God, your mercy, your grace, your loving kindness, all that you are. That's all that there can be to take away this in me. Now listen, David's story is a real story. But the lesson that David is teaching and that we're to learn is for all of us. Go back in history and look at your life. Sin. Sins. Sin against and sins against an eternal God. Sin flowing out of your own sinful nature. Put a name on it. What was your sin? What were the sins that he began to make known to you? Put a name on it. Sins against who? Others, yes, but against the God who loved you and made you. Sins flowing from where? Your past, your circumstance, your abuse? No. Maybe that accommodated it. Sins flowing from your own heart. Now, what's the answer for that? What are you going to do? Read your Bible more? Go to church? What are you going to do? Pray more? Become a better person? I read from Genesis to Revelation in eighth grade. What are you going to do? By the fact, can you do that? Some of you don't have the capacity to do that. Eventually, it's just like reading Shakespeare, the works of Shakespeare. I don't know about, maybe you can. I don't have a taste for it. What are you going to do? And even if you can do all those things, even if you can begin to read your Bible, and even if you can go to church every Sunday, and even if you can do better with your life, and you can work hard to become a good person, 
Is that going to be enough? For sin, sins against a holy God who made you and love you, flowing from your heart. Is that going to be enough? No, it's not going to be enough. Our only hope is in God, in His mercy, in His grace, in His loyal love, the outpouring of all He is for all that we have become in our sin and all that we need of His cleansing and forgiveness. That's what's required. That's what's needed. That's why in verse 6 He says, Behold, God, you desire truth in the inward part. And here's the truth that he's discovered his own inward part. I am filled with sin. <laughs> I have a sinful nature. And I've come to terms with it. The next thing he says is, Behold, is look, God, I've discovered this. This is the end of all I've discovered. You desire truth in the inward part. And what have I just confessed to you? I don't have it. What's the next thing he says? And in the hidden heart, here's your hope, his hope. In the hidden heart, you will make me to know wisdom. You will make me to know wisdom. Let me give you the two points of wisdom that God is teaching David and God needs to teach every person. First point is this. First point of wisdom is this. We are all so sinful, we can't do anything in ourselves to change it or to take our sin away. We are all so sinful that we can't do anything about it to change our nature and to take the sin away. Second point of wisdom, but God can God in all that He is, all of His nature, all of His being can come to us and bring to us complete forgiveness and cleansing. The next verse is verse 7. David says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. That's a statement of faith. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now David is not pleading. He's declaring a truth, a fact. God, if you will cleanse me and wash me with hyssop, I will be clean. The key word there is hyssop. Hyssop was a plant that was used or God had ordained beginning in Exodus 12 as a way of taking blood that had been sacrificed as a lamb that was slain and dipping the branches in that blood and painting it on the doorpost of your home. And then people were to go underneath and into their house and they were then to take that sacrificed lamb and they were to eat it together. And they were basically being taught to say, God, the only thing that will remove us from your holy, righteous judgment for our sins is the sacrifice of an innocent lamb and our complete, by faith, partaking of that lamb, of living under his sacrifice and taking his life completely into ourselves. It's the only answer, nothing more. That was the Passover lamb. The nation of Israel celebrated that sacrifice once a year. The last complete necessary celebration of that sacrifice of the Passover lamb, which became lambs for different families, took place at the time in which Christ was sacrificed on the cross. When he came to earth, John the Baptist pointed at him and said, look, there is the lamb. This is the lamb that was being indicated by all those Passover sacrifices. There is the innocent, pure sacrifice God has provided. There is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. David doesn't understand it. Revelation hasn't come fully out into the open at this point in time. But what David is teaching us is that God must provide for us a sacrifice sufficient to wash us of all of our sins. And God has. At the cross of Jesus Christ, everything that God is was put into action to bring to us forgiveness. The eternal God suffered for our eternal sins upon the cross. The God of all mercy and grace came and exposed how it was that He was open up a gracious and merciful way for us to be forgiven. The God of all justice satisfied His justice at that place. 
the God of all wisdom, found the wise way for us to be forgiven who had fallen away in sin in our own lack of wisdom. The God of all power expressed the power to break through the finality of spiritual death to bring us unto life. The sovereign God who's in control of all history found just the right moment in time to make that sacrifice for us all and a multitude of other attributes that you'll never understand all opened up before us at the cross. David is saying, God, you be the priest. You be the one who washes me. God, you be the sacrificer. You provide the sacrifice. And Jesus has come now. He's risen from the dead having died for our sins. And he is, the Bible says, our great high priest. And he applies the work of his own sacrifice to our lives. And what's left for us to do is simply confess that's all that we need. And that we long for it. And we repent. Our Lord Jesus is the high priest. And our Lord Jesus is the ultimate Passover sacrifice. He was the final answer to what every beast slain in the temple was pointing to. The cross where our Lord Jesus died displays all of the attributes of God called upon and fully expressed for our forgiveness and our cleansing. So if you look at the cross of Christ and see Him for a moment struggling to breathe, bearing your sin, and you'll think about it, you'll find there the wisdom of God set forth. You'll see God coming down in goodness and faithfulness to you to keep His promises. You'll see a God of justice and a God of wrath. You'll see your eternal sins being punished there upon the shoulders of the eternal Son of God. There is the holiness of God. There is God's patience. There is God in all that He is unleashed to accomplish your salvation. There on that cross, as Jesus suffers and dies, God gives His all to take away all of your sins. The question is, will you take Him now for that cleansing? Will you take Him and that gift? Or is there something more you have to do? The next question is, if you take it, will you in return give him all of yourself? Let's bow our heads. The hymnist wrote, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my heart, my all. Our Heavenly Father, stubbornness, pride, is sin. It closes everything we do it is the original sin, pride, stubbornness. That which would find its own way, which will always lead in failure. That pride and sin that turns its back from the God who is there just waiting to be received and offering himself to us and working to draw us to himself. I think so often of the image of the Lord Jesus standing on the doorway of our lives, knocking to come in, and we sneak out the back door, chase after our own pleasures and pursuits. What an awful sin as well. Thank you that what you offer is sufficient for everything we have ever done or anything we could ever do. Praise you for that. God, I pray today, someone new here, maybe many, would come and believe in you. Lord, just yesterday, some woman called me spoke about growing up in church her whole life, but as the testimony unveiled, 
she revealed that she'd never really ever conceived of or understood this note of the gospel. It's free. It's given freely to those who would trust in him alone. And it's free, absent of all the religious efforts she might want to make. God, help a person know that here today, or many, it's free. And Lord Jesus, move them to turn to you, I pray. We who have found you, exalt in you. We thank you that our testimony is set and it's real. And although we falter and we fall and we sin at times, what you've done is unchanged. And that you renew that work in our lives again and again, coming back to refresh us and forgive us and cleanse us when we fall and we stumble. We praise you. Lord, help us more effectively in our relationships with others, be able to communicate to them the story of your saving grace, of the multitude of your tender mercies flooding us with forgiveness. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its Missions Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. It's our purpose to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, personal discipleship, and the planting of new churches around the world. God is blessing and multiplying this work. If you'd like to learn more, please go to traincpe.org or contact us at breadoflifeboise.org. The strategy God is using around the world, we want to make available to you. I hope you'll contact us. Now, God bless you until we gather again around the bread of life.